0: Welcome to episode two of Hold the Gravy podcast. My name is Hunter Romero. Welcome back my friends. Thank you so much once again for joining us here. It is the fall time down here in South Louisiana. We are in the year 2021. You may not know me and that is okay. I appreciate you anyway for clicking on this episode or this this podcast. You may be interested You may be a seafood lover. You may eat Louisiana food. You may live on the other side of the globe, but you've probably heard the words Cajun, Creole, Zodico. And for that, I consider you and I friends because I love Louisiana culture. I'm a born native from this state and I've gotten the chance to sit down with some incredible people that make this state awesome because of the food That they cook. They make this state very special because of the music that they share around the world. And that's what Hold the Gravy podcast is about. I do love what I can do and what I can spread for the state of Louisiana. And I hope that you can join me. Two days ago, I got to sit down in a city called New Iberia, Louisiana. This was the first time I actually got to visit the World Championship Gumbo Cookoff. And I think it's one of a kind and you know I'm just a guy that enjoys being around a crowd of people, a loud stage on the side of me, a bunch of vendors, a bunch of food around me, the smells of gumbo. So I really felt I really felt insanely comfortable having some pretty intimate conversations with some incredible people right in the middle of this circus and uh, you'll be able to see the video up on our YouTube channel. It was an honor to talk to Chef Louvier in the middle of what I would call, and he would call his home. Downtown New Iberia is where he feels most at peace and at comfort with cooking gumbo with his team. Special thanks to my co-host Wendell Verrett on this interview. This is an interview by a man that I'm inspired by that has cooked for some very well known characters in the food world. He has represented Louisiana cuisine many a times. He's he's what they call, you know, a chef's chef, where he cooks for other chefs at some very eclectic gatherings down here in South Louisiana. And uh, I'm gonna let him I'm gonna let him just tell you a little bit more about his experience at the Gumbo Cookoff. He is a 10 time winner of the Gumbo Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Kernis Louvier.
1: <music>
0: Chef Louvier. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Not on a win yet. I'm not gonna say it's a win yet, but
1: that's
0: right. What, what was it about 30 gallons in 30 minutes?
1: It was like about 26 gallons in uh, about 43 minutes.
0: Oh man! Yeah. I mean that's pushing. That's pushing weight out here in in seafood gumbo alone. Absolutely.
1: And we had to keep a secret for the past three weeks. We decided for our seafood gumbo, we were gonna do something untraditional to a seafood gumbo. We made our own uh, seafood fresh sausage with. Uh, shrimp, crab, and crawfish. What? And we put it in a link like a fresh sausage and it served it and we, and the way we did it, we put it into the gumbo, into the juice as links and then pulled it out and sliced it in medallions and that's how we served it to the people.
0: I was about an hour late, I guess, on <laughs> even sorry. even eating lunch and that's the booth number one was where I wanted to go, but yeah. you know, I'll come back next year for that. Or-
1: Absolutely. The cop said he was about to would start redirecting traffic because we had the whole <laughs> thing blocked and I'm like it's what it is you're
0: gonna
2: need security at your booth absolutely. if you keep coming
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely yeah oh no, they would they would tell me you know who the, who the winner was and uh I never had the gumbo and then we had a little event over here at the uh, economic development office oh, and yeah. uh yeah and um uh, it it, and it was your gumbo I'm like oh my god
1: yeah it was a no, chicken and sausage no, we did no, for them a couple of times yes yeah, yes yeah
2: and uh you you have to have it to understand it's just fantastic you're doing you. terrific though unbelievable uh, ho- hopefully i'll be able to
0: to come and taste some food other than just this weekend from from where, it, where do you have a restaurant in town or is it just kind of
1: i have a i have a food business and i uh, but i also have a catering business the way i set up my catering business i have a catering partner but then i have a second entity where I'm a Curtis Louvier, and I and I sell food. And, and I'm a retired guy, and I get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and decide what I want to cook and sell. I have that luxury of being retired.
0: Wow, and I'm sure the years of just incredible dishes that all these people have eaten Absolutely. from your from your businesses or from your service has just made you kind of popular in the, in the region, in the state, and and probably all over the world with. Being in Louisiana Creole cuisine, you know, representing that.
1: Right. You know, and the unique part about all this is, is I've had the luxury and the honor of being able to cook for Anthony Bourdain Place. You know, and all of this started from gumbo. It just the little humble beginnings of gumbo I was invited to open a, a Cajun restaurant in St. Louis with of Hall of Famer, Jackie Smith. So it was just gumbo can take you anywhere in the world. Food can take you anywhere in the world, especially Cajun food will take you anywhere in the world.
0: We were just yeah. kind of sitting down and talking about that and, and trying to, I guess, figure out when it became such such a popular sort of craze all over the world or when other people were able to see what was really going on down here. And, and pre-internet days, you know, even, even possibly pre- Television, but we, we mentioned the name Emeril Lagasse, right? And that was one of the first sort of famous chefs to kind of spread his recipes and spread his Creole cuisine. But right, so were you cooking for Anthony Bourdain on the two episodes that he shot yes. down down here?
1: Yes, I did the uh, the no Ep- no uh, reservations episode, and I cooked the pork backbone stew, and and it's really crazy because. He kind of stayed around, you know, it was a boucherie, so you're going to see everything. But he kind of stayed around the pot, and and at the end of the show, it was the last couple of minutes of of the show, and he's like, and, and, we have saved the best for last. You know, and he compared the sauce of the stew to a sauce at El Bule in Spain, which you have, that's two years to get a reservation there. And he compared that sauce to that. And the uniqueness of the Cajun food, and the food is the fact that people didn't care who Anthony Bourdain was. We're Cajun people, and we accept everybody. And he could walk around the whole boucherie, and nobody was, nobody wanted autographs. They did, they just, we were doing what we love to do, and we invited him to be with us versus us being with him.
0: And I'm sure that was probably unique to his experience because of all of. All of the places all over the globe he's visited and all of the families that were invited in. and and, I mean, he travels with a a crew, a camera crew that probably draws some attention, you know? Absolutely. And that, y'all were shooting that out in Grand Coteau, right? Eunice. Okay, Eunice. The Boucherie,
1: and then we did did, uh, Parts Unknown. Okay. And he had actually come here for Parts Unknown to celebrate Mardi Gras. Right. But we ended up doing... Cajun food for that and I did a smoked rabbit and uh and goose gumbo for that and you know he enjoyed that and it was just a couple of months before his tragic death right you know so I've had that opportunity to to be around people like that and they're so humble you know and then just love they love our culture they really do we just had a bad rap on our culture years ago when we they went to that black and stuff and the biggest myth, misconception about Cajun food is everybody says, oh my God, it's hot. And, I, and you have to re-educate them and let them know Cajun food is not hot. Cajun food, we season our food. We don't spice our food. And once you get them to see that, it's like, oh my God. And that's, that's where we are right now with the Cajun culture. We're trying to get it back to where people enjoy good food, and that's what we do. We do good comfort food, and I tell people that when I do events, I said, listen, I do Cajun food. Can I do fine dining? Yes, my love is Cajun food, and I wanna spread. That's what I wanna spread.
2: And one of the things I I, I like is that we call, you know, uh, bell pepper, celery, and onions the Trinity. We have that word that we can use, and we can explain that to people. And, and they can understand that it's the flavor not the heat that that makes Cajun food Cajun
1: yeah and you know and what's really weird is like and I and I agree with you on that and and as the Cajun food evolves and the people become smarter about food I've learned that I use for my Trinity I use poblano peppers the poblano is, is a sweeter, with heat it's sweet with heat versus a to me a green bell pepper has a bitterness to it and and i can adjust that with that poblano you know now my, if i want flavor i'm using the tricolor peppers because those are your flavors the red orange and the yellows are your flavor but that poblano pepper takes the cajun food to the next level
2: uh, write that down folks yeah he, he just gave us a secret yeah seriously I'm uh, I'm let's pack up let's go we got what I'm we noting need.
0: <laughs> noting that right now for <laughs> for my future dishes yeah, so my, my, uh, my family, actually, Roddy Romero, sure. he's, he's my blood, and, and he said the same thing that you had mentioned the Poblano pepper you to like him. And uh, he said that was, that was kind of the hidden secret that took his cooking to the next level as well. And, sure. and I actually went out to one of his boucheries in Grand Coteau. Right. He, he put it on with a couple of other people uh toby was out it was out there i think that that might be his land and
1: i've done those with those and
0: right so i I had to have tasted your dish at (laughs) least once yeah because i was out there and man i tried to every time they rang that dinner bell i promise i was i was there (laughs) at least 10th in line sure absolutely
1: absolutely and
2: and along with that um we had uh, our, our uh, cooking demo last night at uh, at Victor's, right. and uh, Chef Alex Patu was doing the gumbo, and then in addition to the to the Trinity, he said we have the blessing, which is at the end is the parsley and the green onions. It's okay, the, yes. Every time, every dish, at the end, we always, always put parsley and green onions. That's
1: right. Thought, That's yeah. exactly yeah. yeah.
2: And you know, another thing that he uh, talked about was I always uh, thought, I mean, we always sauteed the vegetables sure. in the roux, right. uh, but he doesn't. He, he adds it to the, to the boiling gumbo. Okay. And right. he says it's going to cook down anyway. Right, so, right. Uh, mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, I mean, and like he said, there's a lot of different methods. and um, But I thought that was it. the first time I'd, I'd heard that.
1: Yeah, and I was telling, this morning I was talking to some of the guys, and we were talking about chicken and sausage gumbo. And we grew up for a large family. We were ten kids, and my mom would would do a gumbo, and she didn't put the onions in just like Alex didn't. But she put her raw chickens into the roof, and she coated she coated that chicken with the roux. Okay, and that stopped the cooking process of it. We've never understood that. And then she added the onions, and then she added her liquid. And it, but today, and it's like I said, today most people they don't want to eat a gumbo on the bone. Hen gumbo is to me, is the, she's the queen, she's the queen of, of chicken sauce gumbo, the hen. But the people, they want, people right. want boneless. My gumbo, right. you take that idea was yeah. a boneless skinless chicken thigh, and it was smoked. but that's what, the people don't want to have to mess with a bone. For right. us, you either ate, ate off the bone or you didn't eat. That's your two options. <laughs> you but, know?
2: And it's, you know, it's funny that, you know, gumbo has such a reputation now, but back growing up, that was that was our food. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, my mother used to say uh, of my grandmother, and my grandmother didn't speak English. Right. I'm and neither. I, and, you know, and and she was my nursery school. You know, my grandmother was right. my nursery school. But my mother would say in French, and and I'm not going to butcher it. I'm just going to say it in English. She said she could touch a gumbo. (laughs) And I all thought that was a she could touch. I can't touch a gumbo, but Mr. Kernis can touch a gumbo.
1: My grandmother used to say when we would go to my grandmother's on Sunday and she would cook a gumbo, and we were a large first cousin base. We had like 125 first cousins because my grandmother had 12 children. And people would show up, she said, let's put some more water.
0: adding water i guess adds a little time well and it adds to boil out more juice right (laughs) that's funny absolutely yeah Yeah. and we were saying how rice is that filler dish it was made to kind of make the gumbo go a little bit further right Right. whenever your cousins come over and all that that's
1: exactly right yeah they were going to eat a lot you put a lot of rice and a lot of juice yeah yeah and we used to say they'd take the chicken and they dip it in and take it out
0: Um, (laughs) so so what's your opinion on potato salad does it go in the gumbo or is it on the side
1: in the gumbo for me yeah. okay and everybody's different I love it in the gumbo but I tell people all the time here's the sacrifice you have to make a lot of people want to make a gumbo a gumbo and they want a potato salad and they want to put the celery and all that stuff it has to be plain and because I told somebody so well I put pickle relish in my gumbo in my potato salad and I said well once you put it in that gumbo, you just it's, ruin it's it. It's gonna fall apart. You ruined it, and not just that. Now your gumbo's sweet because you got pickle relish in there, it. <laughs> and it's
0: double the amount. Like,
1: you just messed it up. So yeah. yes, plain gumbo, plain gumbo, plain potato salad yeah. every time. And got there's you.
2: something about the the heat of the gumbo and the coolness Correct. of the potato salad. I just love it. Absolutely, I mean,
1: it, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I like kind of a vinegar based potato salad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And some people say they don't like vegetables in the potato salad. And I think today a chef would become smarter than the people and we take it and we'll saute down the onions and we run them in a food processor or a blender and put it in your your mix and they never know they got onions. (laughs) So it's just like, I don't eat onions. I don't like, okay. Yeah, (laughs) you don't know. (laughs) Exactly. This is
0: just part of
2: the flavor, you know? It's part of the flavor. That's right. But let me ask Kern about, like, the history of the of the cook off. Sure. Um, well, how did it start? Were you back? Were you there when it was started, or early on, or
1: not the original, but it was a couple of years later. And you know, the gumbo was made out of necessity. The, the chamber was at the point right. to where they couldn't even pay the mortgage on the building. Right. And, and they had, had come to a crossroads where they said, we either do some kind of fundraiser and or we're going to lose this place and it's crazy because my very first year was 1993 and i tell this to people all the time now they sent out the packets in july right my very first gumbo cook-off in 1993 i entered it the wednesday of the gumbo (laughs) cook-off they were screaming for teams and we just and my boss says you're going to cook a gumbo on sunday and i'm like Really? <laughs> and, so he, and he gave me the money and we paid the entry fee, but yeah. So humble beginnings and, and they, it's kind of like they built a gumbo empire with, the, with this cook-off. Because a lot of them, nobody can duplicate this cook-off. Right, right. It's just, it, it's very unique. I mean, you can see we have people all around us and you can let your kids go, and never have to worry. I've never seen anybody argue, I've never seen anything like that. It's just so family oriented and everybody's here for the same cause. We realize what it is. It's a fundraiser for the Chamber. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to come here and enter this and think you're going to get rich selling gumbo,
2: don't come. Right. (laughs) You better not come. And I I think they do it for for the fun of it. Absolutely. And it is fun. Sure. And and one of the things I I love, compliments, right? You know, and, uh, and, and and that's part of the fun is, is, hey, you can serve something and then someone tastes it and they say, oh, my God, you yes. know, this is terrific. Yes. Yeah. But what, when do you think or at what point or what contributed to it becoming so big like it is? I mean, you know, we know it started small, but any idea about that? I think mainly
1: because of the organization of it, the way it was organized, and, and, and they didn't hide anything to the teams who were gonna compete and stuff. And it, was, it became like a camaraderie. Even though, even though you competed against some of the teams, there was, if they needed something, you were gonna help them. You know, and I think people saw that, where you can go there and you don't have to worry. If you don't have a pot, somebody has an extra pot. And I think people say, listen, very friendly. They will help you, they will, they will coach you whatever you think you're going to need and it made it, made it grow because it, it became like a community gumbo, not just team against team against team. We built friendships along the way, you know we used to have people who would come from Indiana and they would save their vacations, the whole family would save their vacation because they knew how they were going to be treated and it, it, like I said that just helped to make it grow. We as, we're the friendliest people in the world. I don't care what you say. I have some friends here from Illinois and Texas, and, and they, we took them around yesterday and said, man, the people are so friendly. I said, it's just what we are. And that's what makes it unique. And the people who come here to see it, realize it, and word of mouth, and today with the internet and, and all social media, people see it, and, and they want to be part of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I remember when we had the hockey team in, in Lafayette sure. some oh, God. years back those guys came here and 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 i think it was like their first mardi gras uh and it was a fantastic mardi gras the weather was kind of like it is today and uh they were just blown away by you know what the way the people treated them and many of them stayed and and they live here now and made lives with themselves here Uh, sure absolutely from all over too yeah
0: all over has the gumbo cook-off always been in october
1: yes and, and people know and I'm gonna yes it's always been in October but I'm gonna tell you the way the Chamber set it up it was we always had the gumbo cook-off on the Saints off week Ah. you we would never have a gumbo cook-off when the Saints were playing okay so when it was their weekend off we would schedule the gumbo cook-off there you go and now we're big enough we don't need the Saints <laughs> <laughs>
0: Drew Brees is waiting in line over there. I saw yeah, exactly. he, he was bummed your uh, gumbo sold out. Yeah,
1: I told him you should have been here two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the fun things about not really teasing and so like, And they said, like, you're not sold out. I said, I am. Yeah. You know, and they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah.
0: I'm sold out. I really am. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> that I was my to, reaction. I
1: lied to you, but I won't. If I'm sold out, I'm sold out.
0: Yeah, yeah. that was definitely me walking up to you. You know, saying, hey, uh, I would love to interview you, but I'd also love to taste the gumbo. So (laughs) I was going to eat it right here while we were interviewing. And I could see him,
1: Wendell, he was walking, he was like, he was looking for gumbo. (laughs) Wrong booth.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, if you are visiting from anywhere else around the globe, besides, you know, COVID and everything, a normal Louisiana season, right now things would be getting revved up. I mean Festival Acadien would be next weekend. No,
1: it would be the same weekend. Right. Should it got canceled, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And I mean now they got the Boudin Festival and Scott. I mean there's there's a lot of festivals and a lot of things that that our state really prides itself on and really wants to bring that tourism back and really show people from all over that what we're doing down here is is to share. And we're here to (laughs) welcome you with a smile and and I think more people coming down here to really just check it out if you've never been to Louisiana. It's one of a kind, you know. It really is. And the food and the sounds and, and everything is sure. just one of a kind. And yep. I, I hope that one day we can get back to that regular festival season and
1: right. I don't know if we can handle I don't know if we can handle much more today. How about you guys? Right. And it just you know and, and years ago and, and what helped also years ago we did Food Network Canada came in. And there was a show called Gluten for Punishment. And the guy's name was Bob Bloomer. And his his goal was to come into town and he'd find a mentor to teach him how to cook a gumbo. And then he would compete on the Sunday. Well, I became his mentor. So he followed me all around the whole week and stuff. And we would practice making gumbos and stuff. And the we were nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award in Canada with the show. Wow. And, but the next year, we came and, and they released the food network show here. So we had people from all over Canada and all over the United States here for that event. So we've had help along the way to help make it go. We've had the right, we've had the right connections all along the way. TV Ten is great for us. He you know we get the free publicity from them. all the television stations, they come in and they promote our event and we we have the support of all that and that's hard to do because we have so many cook-offs out there to get right. the support of all the media it, yeah. it's amazing it's really it's out, it's outstanding to have that
2: yeah and the, the cook-off format is is difficult to put on i mean you have to have the teams willing to to do sure. that you Absolutely. know and across the country it, it's a, a big thing especially like with barbecue right. uh, in a lot of areas and and we're kind of unique where we have you know this this ultimate comfort food and and we have a a cook-off for it as opposed to a festival And we have a lot of festivals but for it to be a cook-off it kind of makes it unique and uh i'm just glad to be a a part of it and to see and and really i'm really learning a lot about the the cook-off uh especially this year and um and, and uh, it, it's just a great thing, and uh, I hope we can keep it going for many years. Absolutely,
1: you know, and the support of the teams for the local seafood industry. Right. You know, the crab meat, and, and, and I buy everything. Everything is bought local. My shrimp is bought in Delcom. My crab meat is bought in, in the Iberia. My crawfish is bought in St. Martinville. We want to, and it, it's such a boost in the economy, not only, especially for okay. the seafood. But also for everything, all of our grocery stores, our hotels. I mean this thing generates so much good revenue for the city that it it, it just it's really unique. You know, this people don't realize how unique we always tell people when we go somewhere, we live in the most unique place in the world. You know, and, and we count we should count our blessings that we have this. I have friends from Ireland who do the boucheries with us and I said he was an original river dancer years ago, and he was in New York. And he came here, and I said, "What made you pick South Louisiana?" He said, "Y'all," and in the culture, he says, "You guys." And he told me, he "said You guys take it for granted, but y'all have, you guys have the best in the world." You know? So we have to, we need to remember that.
2: Oh, absolutely, and and you know, for businesses to. Be a sponsor. Um, They're our sponsor, and and they they put up a lot of money. Uh, They're a sponsor for a reason because they get a benefit out of it. If they if they didn't get business, you know, customers or a boost to their sales, we we wouldn't probably see as many sponsors. I mean, you know, there are always some that want to contribute to community, but uh, at the end of the day, they're a business. And they want to come in and and get their name out there and uh same thing with us louisiana direct seafood we want to get our name out there we want to get our name across the country and it's a perfect fit you know janet access to become a sponsor of of the cooking demo on on saturday evening and that's that's a no-brainer i mean you don't even have to think about that uh it's it's seafood and gumbo that and that's what we want to do And we have a presenting sponsor this year for the first time Presenting sponsor, Super One Foods, and that's just a, a great fit, in, in my opinion, for, for this event, absolutely.
1: What a better way to, to to visit with your customers away from the work atmosphere than to say, come on out, why don't you guys come out this weekend on Sunday and have some gumbo and, and, and just visit and see the people, it, it, it works, it, it's, it's, such, it's such, it goes such a long way, you know, it really yeah. does, yeah
0: it's supporting it's supporting a lot of tourism i sure. think bringing bringing people back to small towns like new iberia right. it's just great to see people walking around absolutely and, yeah, and it's I mean,
1: been it's a around guys the crowds are just and they're not going home
0: i know yeah they're just looking for more gumbo absolutely
2: <laughs> and uh you know and and, and that brings up a, a good point about downtown and and uh, our mayor Freddie the is doing a great job in sure. trying to refurbish some areas and trying to make the downtown, like you see in a lot of places across the country. And uh, he recognizes that we need to bring in tourism dollars. I mean, you know, our economy is based on the energy industry to a large extent and, and we want to diversify. And what a better fit for a downtown area than an event like this. And And I'm, and I'm happy that they keep it downtown. Right. Uh, because we want people to see New Iberia, we want them to see the downtown, see what history we have, and all of that are, 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 are a sign of things to come. And there's a path forward, and, and um, I just want to give a shout out to Freddie for, for spearheading that and, and taking the lead on, on, on doing those kinds of things. Because, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of work to, to get the dollars to, to do those improvements. To bring, uh, you know, tourism and to bring traffic and to, to build a brand for your city, for your town, and uh, so I really appreciate what he's doing.
0: I mean, you can you can go to any other city in, in America and, and or any other state, and there's a lot of smaller cities, probably the same size as New Iberia, that their downtown is is non-existent. That's it's correct. it's run completely abandoned and. You know, you see even bigger cities, bigger than New Iberia. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it it almost is like, why? what went wrong here? And for me, it's the first thing that comes to mind is culture. There was no culture that might have held a community to a certain standard to maybe, hey, come to this cook-off. We need you to come to this festival. Even if it's once a year, we need you here, you know? And it's it's sad to see what America's downtowns have sort of been run run down to and and you can't really you can't see that out here right now i mean out here it's it's booming and i'm i'm honored to be from this state and just kind of sit down with with y'all who are obviously from south of lafayette your whole lives and and uh i'm i'm grateful for this culture and this this boom of of tourism that we really want to bring back here and and uh not just new orleans not just lafayette you know even even these smaller towns like right. like new iberia you know there's a lot going on the bayou Teixe, the historic bayou Teixe right here so
1: and Wendell made yeah. a good point a while ago about having the event here in boulonnais plaza this was the original and they talked there was talk, always talk and every couple of years the talk comes up again well why don't we move it to a larger venue or why don't we move it here and i said just so you know if you move it you're not going to see lou this is home. This is home for me, and this is where I want it to be. And if it gets crowded, oh well. I just want it to be here. And if it's not going to be here, they can have it anywhere they want, and I'm going to have something else to do that weekend. <laughs> and it's not a threat. It's a, it's, it's for real, problems. Yeah. I, it, It'll happen.
0: Yes, my friend Chef Lou here is is uh probably booked up for a lot of lot of different cooking events and. Yes. Hard to eat his food, you know you gotta you gotta chase that You gotta follow it. That's it, you gotta chase that dragon, <laughs> that <right>. gumbo dragon. <laughs> that's right. Just
1: follow it on Facebook and you see, because next week I'm doing the boudin cook off in Lafayette. We have that, we've been doing that for fourteen years, and I'm gonna cook a whole hog for that. and We're gonna drape it's a boudin bacon, and then I'm gonna drape the hog and bacon. It's gonna be gonna have wow. a coat made out of bacon and we're gonna do that event. So we do we're constantly we're constantly moving and and as a cook off Start to pick up we'll be we'll be doing
0: all that it's great to see these events Absolutely. coming back sure. even if they're trickling down you know 2022 is shaping up to hopefully be a big year for our state jazz fest coming back festival international coming back these are these are some big events that people from all over the world come down for and and uh to taste the food to hear the sounds but we need these events to to keep a lot of people in business to keep a lot of production workers in business and I can't say that enough that's that's kind of that's the industry that i i obviously fight for and and, uh, entertainment is real and i think the last 20 or so months people have taken it for granted a little bit or or realized that they maybe were previously taking it for granted and uh, really miss it and they really miss community music and food and i think that's the definition if you
2: look up louisiana anywhere absolutely Absolutely.
1: I said, "You want to be?"
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And look, I, you know, back back in the day, uh, you know, another thing was like crawfish balls. You know, family, we'd have crawfish balls, and so my my grandfather and my my grandparents, you know, we're sitting outside in the yard under the oak tree, and we. It's it's not unusual for us. I mean, it's it's not really that big a deal. But he says, and he says it in French. We have it lucky. Not everybody does this, in fact, you know, in the 60s, probably. (laughs) And it always made me think, why don't more people know about what we do here? You know, and uh, this is one of those... Now we can see that people are... Drawn to what we've been known our, our whole lives. It are you know? kind
1: of a hidden gem, huh? Exactly. Yeah, it was exactly. like we were that we were always there, and they just finally found us. <laughs> Except exactly. we haven't been. We've been here. You guys <laughs> found us. Yeah, you know? and we're glad they did.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I love what the lady from New Jersey, who's right over there. Uh, we were setting up here yesterday, and and she walked up and needed something, and and she was very, you know proud to say, uh, and we're from New Jersey, and uh, I was very proud to say, wow, <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> excited. I love that idea. Absolutely.
0: That,
2: and she, she just says, we love our gumbo, you know, and she's not from here, has no connection to Louisiana, but she has a connection to that gumbo. And uh, that's just, you know, one of many stores, but that's the kind of store I love hearing.
1: Sure. I have a friend who's here from, from Sherman, Texas. He drove, he has been on his bucket lists. We worked together in Illinois and we did barbecue together. Well, he has a barbecue place in Sherman, but he does in the winter a Texas gumbo. And he'll always get, every now and then he gets somebody from Louisiana and they're like, I'm from Louisiana. And he said, that's not gumbo. And he always tells them, he said, it's Texas gumbo, but it's it's gumbo, you know? He, and he's here today. And he just says, I make them realize I know, I know it's not a thing, it's Texas gumbo. And <laughs> he th- said it, it relaxes them.
2: It, if, if you put that qualifier on there, anything that's goes. That's right,
1: exactly, yes, yes.
0: It's dishes to get creative with. You sure, know?
1: that's right. You know, if We gotta change, we gotta keep moving. We have, people are a lot smarter about food today. Right. And, you know, we And we've, we've made that, and that's a good thing.
0: It you is know? a good thing. It's, it's a good thing. It's not the same ingredients that you were cooking a gumbo with. So, 60, 50 years ago you know, it's, there's a lot of different things that people are putting in in ingredients and different foods at the grocery store and, yes. and it's, you know, yes. we obviously always want to support local and buy fresh produce but sometimes right. it's not as easy to to do that and sometimes it's a lot easier to go to Super One or, or something and, and just kind of get grab something in the bag, you sure. know and, absolutely, but it's not it's not as, uh it's not as fresh sometimes, you know, and, just,
1: and, and the thing in recipes, you know, people talk about recipes and I tell them, I said, not, I said, the recipe you might follow, it might not taste the same every day. I said, no two days are the same, no two chickens, nothing is the same, nothing is ever the same. Things change. It depends on the humidity. It, it depends on the temperature. It, it depends on everything depends on the change. And, and it, it's never a drastic change, but you can't always, it's not always going to taste the very same. Exactly. You know, you're not going to remember exactly how you set the fire, you know, when you made your stock. And so you have to adjust. So, and I tell it to people on recipes, how do you season it? I say, you season it the way you like. Exactly. I don't know what you like. You might not like what I like. Always season, at the end of every recipe I have, season to taste everybody has a different taste.
2: and just remember like chef alex said last night you can add but you can't take that's, out
1: <laughs> that's right that's
2: right How's that's, old that's saying just you mathematics
1: want, once that is it once you're once you become a pickle you can never be a
0: cucumber again <laughs> so there you
2: go <laughs>
0: well chef Louvier, i, I appreciate your time you. today i know you're a busy man walking around just just about 50 yards with you i felt like 50 people wanted to get your autograph and shake your hand and
1: the guys from the other ready to do another podcast and like you're next i say wait
0: your turn yeah (laughs) (laughs) well let the people know where we can find you i guess boudin cook off and uh absolutely we'll follow follow you you on facebook follow
1: us on facebook follow me on facebook and you'll see everything i'm doing
0: excellent thank you so much for 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 sitting down with hold the gravy
1: all right thank you
0: cue new iberia haircut by lost bayou ramblers No, but seriously, I had the opportunity to really interview some incredible people that have taken Louisiana cuisine to another level. I feel oddly intimate with whoever I'm talking to in headphones and in a microphone with the circus of a festival just kind of surrounding us. You'll be able to see the full videos up on our YouTube channel later this week. Stay tuned, later this fall, we'll be live at the Bayou Tesh Museum doing episodes streaming from their newest exhibit titled Water Ways. Special thanks to the Greater Iberia Chamber of Commerce for putting on the World Championship Gumbo Cookoff. Thank y'all again so much. I appreciate y'all listening for clicking on this podcast. Hold the gravy down in Delcambre, Louisiana. This is a project that's going to grow and grow. And we got some great people that are going to tell you the stories of our great state. Take care.